Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Cheltenham Festival Preview 2021 sponsored by Betfair. This is the Tuesday preview and I'm your host George Ellick and then joining me to preview all the action on day one of next week's Cheltenham Festival from Odds Checker, our very own tipster Andy Holding. Andy, great to have you here for what promises to be a brilliant, brilliant week. Yeah, I'm glad to be on this uh, podcast with uh, Tony and Barry. Hopefully we can pinpoint in the direction of a few winners. Uh, that's what we're here for. Um, it's going to be different this year, of course, doing it from home, racing from home. But uh, once the tapes go up on Tuesday, we'll still get a great buzz. And um, we can't be there. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a shame. But uh, uh, next best thing in front of the TV on our armchairs with a, with a nice little cool, cool glass or something. That's, uh, <laughs> not, not a bad option. Fingers crossed there'll be champagne after day one, Andy, after well, all the listeners. Yeah, that's you know, what we're all dreaming of. Bit of a spoiler alert there from Andy as to who the other two guests are. But in the Betfair corner, both Tony Calvin and Barry Orr. Tony, great to have you here with us. You joined us for the for the previews last year as well. Um, there were some concerns when we met last year as to whether or not Cheltenham would go ahead. It did, mm. of course, and it does again next week, but no fans going to be there. Yeah, just have to suck it and see, isn't there? The worst things going on in the world, isn't there? And I, my background, I feel a bit, I feel a bit light actually, looking at uh, looking at Andy's <laughs> wallpaper and Barry's bookshelf and that striking <laughs> picture. What's that picture, Baz? Hey, that's the champion stakes, Tony. I, I can only see, I can only see the bottom camp. half. Good effort. I didn't back it. I didn't back it, unfortunately. But funny you should say this time last year. Yeah, I think uh, the. Meeting to go ahead was trading at about even money on the Betfair exchange. It was over four and a half million pounds matched on that market, would you believe? At the time, it was the most visited market. It's only been usurped recently by the next president of the United States of America, which the whole world seemed to wanted to see on Betfair. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Cheltenham's up there with uh, talked in those lofty heights. Well, Barry, I mean, we've seen records broken on the Betfair exchange, as you mentioned in recent weeks, surely with no fans and plenty of people with not much to do and working from home. We're going to see a bit of a bumper uh, week for, for money matched on the exchange at Chatham next week. Yeah, you'd be anticipating that and no more so than the, the kicking off with the Supreme Novices Earl. Obviously, last year, would you believe the Supreme Novices Earl was our most um, matched race in wow. terms of volume on the exchange, over £8 million, £8.7 million matched on it. I think that's an indication of how the enthusiasm for the meeting and that people always want to kick off with a winner and get involved in the Supreme Novices Earl. So, uh, yeah, and it's got a nice short price favourite in it this time round as well to, for punters to get stuck into. It is, it does, and we're going to get onto that fairly soon. But before we do, just a quick weather check, because it is obviously very, very important to do so. I mean, all of the tips and selections that we're going to be talking about over the next hour or so will be dependent on the ground. Andy, you said to us off air a second ago that you have a, a friend who lives down the back straight at Cheltenham, so you're probably better placed than any of us with our tens of, of weather apps on our phones checking the whole time what's going on. So... As far as you're aware, what's the weather been doing? What's it likely to do? And what's the ground going to be like come Tuesday? Yeah, my, my, my buddy, I, I get in touch with him once a year. To, it's his, my annual, is that it? My, yeah, that's it. My, <laughs> my annual um, little messages uh, to, to Nigel. And he, he always uh, keeps me informed about a week away. Every, every single morning, whether I've had any rain, um, you know, where there's dogs walking on the track and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, he, he's informed me that they missed most of the rain yesterday. Um, very dry, blustery. They've had the odd shower, but it's squally more than anything uh, of any great quantities. Unlike here in sort of North Wales, where it's been bouncing off the roof all night, blowing a hoolie. Um, getting further east as well, just to, as, a, as a matter of course, Sandown also has missed quite a bit of it as well. So sort of the further sort of south and east you are, the more chance you are of missing it. And looking at the forecast for next Tuesday, sort of beyond to, to sort of Friday, I think you might get the odd spitting spot. I think you're looking at sort of 10 to 15 percent chance of rain um, over the weekend. So we're not going to get anything in any great quantities. And I think it's probably going to be good to soft. I'm sure Barry will update us on that. What how punters are, are going, um, you know, what route they're going down. But I, I can't believe it's going to there's going to be any genuine sort of soft ground. Um, it'll be it'll be good to soft and even good in places if this wind carries on. Barry, bring Barry, you in there because we're, we're going to talk about, um, you know, we're going to come to you for the exchange angle fairly often during this this podcast and video. Has there been any action yet in the in the going market or is that yet to open up? No, not really at the moment. It's just looking through it there. I can't, I, I, I know we did quote something earlier on in the in the week. Uh, it was around the twos on chance that it would be start on good to soft. So I, that's surely obviously favoured all the time with the watering policy in, uh, in Cheltenham and 
I don't see that changing in the next uh, next uh, six days or so. Great stuff. Well, I think that's the, you know, a fair few trainers out there who'll be hoping for good soft ground, better than the bog we've had in the last few years anyway. Um, we're going to get to the Supreme now. Before we do so, just going to point everybody in the direction of the Odds Checker app. You can get Andy's tips every morning straight to the app uh, on Odds Checker. The very best prices as well, bookie offers, place terms and everything else. And during this podcast, when I talk about prices, I'll be quoting the standout prices from the odds checker grids. And on the grids as well, you can see if firms are non-runner, no bet, which is incredibly important because you don't necessarily want to be backing top price if you don't know that you're going to get your money back if they don't run. And in probably in no race at the moment, is that more important than the Supreme? Uh, we are recording this at about half past 10 on um, the Thursday, the 11th. So yesterday we had a better idea of who will be running as the the uh, as the race has cut up a little bit. And Appreciate It is the seven to five favorite as it stands for the Supreme. Metier five to one, Bally Adam 13 to two. That's best price with Betfair Sportsbook. Soaring Glory seven to one, Bob Ollinger 10 to one, but with a firm who aren't NRNB. So shorter if you want to get your money back, which is especially crucial there. Blue Lord 12 to one, 25 to one bar. Barry, I'll come to you first here, because before we get into the ins and outs of it, and I know that, that Tony, you, you wrote in your Betfair column about Bob Ollinger, um, are we getting, often in the exchange market can give us some glimpses as to who will be running where. Can we glean anything from what's going on on the exchanges with the Supreme? Uh, Bob Bollinger on the exchange market is a 20 to 1 chance, so that would indicate he's for elsewhere. Obviously, appreciate it very strong. 13 to 8 on the Beffer Exchange, £250,000 matched in the anti-post market on that. A third of it on appreciate has been matched at a high of around 180 for six quid. So um, at the moment, he's the 13 to 8 mark, like I said, 6.2 Metier, Baddy Adam, 8.2, Soaring Glory, he's on the big slide. He's out to 11.5 off comments yesterday from his owners that they might give it a swerve and head to Aintree where owners are allowed to 10. He's been mashed at a low around 8.6 and 9.2 for 149 quid. He's out to 11.5 now. So the market reacting there, obviously. Uh, appreciate it. Beaten favourite in the bumper last year. Went off 50 to 8. Traded at twos on. Everyone knows. Got beat by his stable companion, Fernie Hollow. The one I like in it is Bally Adam. Was over 15 lengths behind, appreciated in Leopardstown at Christmas when uh, all Gordon Elliott's horses were sick. He scoped dirty. He was on the easy list for a couple of weeks, ran back down at the Dublin Racing Festival and got that down to a little over three lengths behind appreciated. I think he'll come on again for that run. I think he's been kind of a little bit dismissed by the market. Well, he's nearly four times the price of appreciated. Uh, he's in there at around a seven to one chance on the Beffer Exchange. He's a win and place bet for me, and I, I think he can't be out of the first three. There's a doubt about Metier. Said a doubt about appreciated getting to the front as well. I think there's pace in the races uh, that could take him on early doors. So for me, Bally Adams a, a cracking uh, kick off to the meet, meet winning each way. Barry Adam for Barry there. Tony, I, I read your Betfair column, as you could probably tell, before mm. recording this. And, you know, what Barry alludes to there was soaring glory, maybe not ideal. But I'll let you take it away and tell us uh, kind of what you put in the column. Um, well, I'm obviously, I'm very disappointed that, you know, he's the owner there 50-50. But what really troubles me about it is it seems like they've been lukewarm on the race ever since uh, the winning the Betfair hurdle. So whether or not... You know that, you know that's a worry as regards his his fitness and how how fully tuned up he is here. Then um, I'm not so sure, but uh, obviously I think they should run it. Um, I think he's got a great chance. We all know that Betfair hurdle winners have have got a good record going on to the Supreme, albeit maybe not a winning one. Even John Joe O'Neill get me out of here in 2010. Um, you know they only got beat ahead by Menorah, and I think Soaring Glory's got similarly incredibly strong each way claims. Um, He's up to a mark of 143 now. I think that Newby win in a good time is uh, is very, very strong form. I love the handicap angle coming back into, into Novice Company. Um, the the decent ground that everyone seems to be expecting. It'll, it'll be good to soft. It won't be any quicker on the first day, even if even if um, they have to intervene in, in nature. So I think everything's set up for a, a rapidly improving horse to do that. The, the beauty of the non-runner money-back angle, uh, especially with the Betfair Sportsbook, I'm not just saying that because Barry's uh, on the call, <laughs> because uh, the Betfair Sportsbook are actually offering four places here as well. Mm. So you've got eight to one Soaring Glory, who's been pushed out from sevens, maybe mirroring the exchange drift. Uh, you've got the four places, you've got the anticipated decent ground, and you get your money back if the owner makes the wrong decision and decides to, 
you know, maybe wait for entry and hope to go there and run the horse. But uh, hopefully common sense will prevail there. Um, appreciate it. Um, look, he, he's the right favourite. Uh, whether or not two two miles on, on decent ground will be too, a bit too sharp for him. That said, well, Andy will, will tell us about, you know, his speed figures. But apparently, you know, when he won his bumper, that was on decent yielding ground. And that was apparently in a very quick time. So maybe the concerns about him being the, the, the this trip, uh, this um this uh, opportunity being a bit too sharp for him, um, maybe maybe unfounded. But I'll be against Metier. Got nothing against the horse. Obviously rated nightly on the flat, free from free over hurdles. But you know you can pick massive holes in that Tolworth form. The thirds come out and got stuffed in a, in a Taunton novice hurdle. The second was beating a fair way off a mark of 136 uh, in the Betford hurdle. Albeit Metier won that by by 12 lengths. You know uh, in impressive fashion. So. There is a doubt. I think there is a genuine doubt about the ground for him if it if it's not if it's not soft and tested for Metier. So yeah, everything leads me to, to soaring glory. Um, I think like Andy, um, I, I I've been backing Irascible for a while. Um, I, I backed him all in twenty five to one, and I've I've also backed him sixteen to one non one and no bet. He's obviously a much bigger price now. He's he's forty on the exchange. Mm. It sounds like they're going to go here instead of the county hurdle. Um, and I can see him running a big race, um, very lightly raced, only a one start in points. Very impressive at Clonmel, beating a dual subsequent winner. I think he was ridden too far off the pace behind Appreciate It when beating nine lengths um, uh, in his first start at Grey One Company. I think they rode him too aggressively next time when beating the same distance behind the same horse. So I think if there is an improver at those Grade One, um, that Grade One form line with Appreciate It, it's, um, it's irascible. So I play Soaring Glory each way. Um, I'm tempted to go in again. Eight's uh, not one to know about four places now. Uh, get your money back, like I said, if he doesn't run. Uh, and I've I've been back in irascible for a while on the exchange. Win only, all in, and 25's all in, and 16's not one to know about. So those are my two against the field. 20 to 1 on no bet now as well with, with Betfair Sportsbook if you did want to go that way and, and Tony maybe you should take a play out of the Andy Holding playbook and give the owners of Soaring Glory a call and tell them they're being foolish if they don't I, head to the Supreme I was going to um, I was going to I was tr- actually trying to find out uh, who anybody knew the owner yesterday but, uh, yeah <laughs> maybe uh, that, might be, that might be counterproductive if I've got on a roll with it <laughs> Um, Andy, you know, I come to you to you last year, and you're, you know, you've got an incredible record in the novice hurdles at Cheltenham over the last few years, and I'm sure people listening and watching will be interested to know what you make of this. You made no secret of your admiration for Appreciate It over the last year or so, and I remember a few months ago we did a podcast together where you said that Metier's on, on pure speed figures and time time figures alone, Metier was was the closest that, that could come to Appreciate It. At the current prices, how are you eyeing up this market now? Yeah, I mean, a lot depends um, on how many places, I suppose, we get with some of the some of the bookmakers uh, come mon- Monday evening when they want to get your business. I think I think William Hill, I think it was either last year or the year before, when there was only 14 runners, went seven places, which seemed a crazy thing. But obviously, you know, they're the only ones who don't do non-runner no bet and they wanted to get money in the hod for the week. You can understand that. So it really is ostensibly an each-way betting paradise. Um, regardless of whether you fancy appreciate it or not, you've just got to have a bet in this race because it, mathematically, it just it just has to be that way. So I probably will be looking for an, an each way bet in the race, um, or maybe two. But I'm probably going to contradict myself because I do think appreciate it'll win. <laughs> it's, it's probably it's probably one of those those daft bets I'll just have just because I, the, the the maths just tell me I've got to do that, but. I think he's a different gear to this lot. I really do. I wouldn't say I've heard so much nonsense about this horse, but nobody seems to want to give him any love. And yet he's run the fastest time I've got this season. He's beat the best horses this season in that race at, um, at Leopardstown over, over over the Christmas period. And he absolutely battered genuine good, you know, graded horses such as Irascible, as Tony's mentioned, Bally Adam. The Devil's Coachman was beaten 20 lengths and he's bolted up since. They went a good on his pace that day. He doesn't have to lead. Everyone's got in the, in their head that he's he's a grinder. He's you know he needs this, he needs that. He'll be just happy just taking the lead. I think for pleasure golf in front. He's, he's a real trailblazer. The day when he won at Cheltenham, he, he, he skimmed away by about twenty lengths. Nothing will go with him in the early stages. And, and Paul Townend are just sitting behind him. He'll take a lead down to the second last, and then from that point on, we know this fella really just kicking the gears. The day when he beat Irascible and Bally had him that day, he ran the last circuit. Um, eight seconds quicker than French Seal 
and six seconds quicker than the handicap won by uh, Master McShay. So, like I say, I've heard a lot of nonsense, but this horse has inherited a hell of a lot of speed in in the last 12 months. I thought he was going to be a, 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 a Ballymore horse. I backed him at 12 to 1 to win the Ballymore last season when I put him up on my odds checker column as a horse mm. to follow. I've been amazed how much speed he showed over two miles. And last time at Evans said he wasn't impressive, but he got hassled for the lead. Tony was right with the Rassel, but they tried to they tried to do something different in the Rassel. He had two horses on alongside him all the way through, forcing him to go faster than he wanted. Any other horse but a horse like Appreciate it would have definitely caved in. But he didn't. He quickened again. He found more. And Bally Adamo had the lovely run through. He had the perfect trail through the race. Basically, he had another go at him, and he couldn't get by him. So... I just think, look, he's he's beat the best horses. He's trained by William Williams as well. I mean, look, you know, he knows he, he needs no second introduction in a race like that. He's won it as as Six many times as me and you have had hot dinners. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> I think appreciate he'll win it, and I think he'll win it easily. But then, but, but Andy, what's what's stopping you then from you know the thirteen to eight? You know, you look gonna... at your column. You put up horses at that price fairly consistently. Yeah, not, I, yeah. I mean, like I say, I'm not saying I'm not going to put him up, but at this moment in time, eleven away, unless he drifts out the seven to four. I'm not. I'm not in the business to be sticking eleven or eight sh- shots of the f- of the f- you know first the first bat in the very first race at Cheltenham. Um, Andy, what what price in a in a hundred percent book? What price do you think he should be? Uh, put aside the bets you're going to have. If you were if you were a layer on Betfair now, what was what would be your what would be your mid range price from from the back and lay? Well, I wouldn't, be him... for, I wouldn't be laying for a start, but I, I, I think he should be a five to four shot because I think this is a really, really weak supreme. I can't believe that Soaring Glory is not going to run. I think he should run because I think he's he's bang up there, it's particularly on the ground. I mean, what you never get a better chance in a beyond appreciator. I think quite a weak supreme. Um, I actually give fifty ball a chance as well. I don't know what connections of him are going to do, but if you go back on what's a newbie run, he was a good 10, 15 lengths behind. Soaring Glory halfway down the back straight, and yet he's managed to pull the deficit back to three lengths. So if you fancy Soaring Glory, you've got to have a look at 50 ball. Um, and if the ground dries out for the rest of the week, they, you know, they can rule out the county hurdle. I think he needs about 30 odd to come out the county hurdle to even get in that. <laughs> I think he's a player if they, if if bookmakers go six, seven places further down the line. But I, I, I think, just don't... yeah, so I, I think this you mentioned a good point about the county because a few, quite a few of these go to the county, and this, this race could really cut up, couldn't mm. it? What, like I say, but what you haven't really got a great deal running for if you if you want to be laying appreciate it. So I say no, I will stand because of this and that. But mm. I think he'll beat Bally Adam again. He beat Blue Lord fair and square. I think I think he might improve from his last run, you know, arguably. Um, but look, I, I, I it's boring, but I, I think he'll win. And if if I was looking for something beyond him or without the let's say without the favourite, I think Irascible is the one I'd go with because. Um, he didn't know what he was doing the first time when he, he kicked everything out of the ground, race wide and finished second in the best race I've got on the figures. Uh, and then, like I say, he was in too aggressively last time out. I think they've learned a lesson and they'll probably give him a chance and drop him in. 50 ball is the other one if he runs. So I'd be looking to probably bet those two out that far. But I do think William Mullins will win this again with Appreciate It. So seemingly pretty strong word there for Appreciate It from Andy. We're going to have to move on. I mean, Tuesday, this podcast every year, Tuesday seems to take about twice as long as every other day because the quality of the races and it's not no different here with the article second up where we've got Shishkin at 10 to 11 uh, and Yugamine at 9 to 4 13 to 2 all mankind 14 to 1 Captain Guinness 20 to 1 bar a fascinating article a match at the top end Barry looking pretty similar pretty tight to the prices there on uh, on the exchange as well yeah, just a little over even. Shiskin has been back to the low 1.7, but obviously with the emergence of Nergamine in Ireland as a viable uh, alternative to the favour, punters have, have latched onto Nergamine in recent weeks. He's into 11 to 4 now, 3.75, 8 to 1, all mankind, 14, Captain Guinness, and it's 22, Franco Deport. Um, yeah, I, 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 two at the head of the market are going to be hard beat, but for mm. whatever reason, if they don't, uh, if they don't perform, the horse I like in it is Captain Guinness, uh, quite a luckless horse, got brought down last year in the Supreme when travelling really well. Um, ran against Energamine and Nace earlier on this year in a novice chase, finished eight and a half lengths off him. Then they reopposed in Leopardstown at the Dublin Racing Festival and he was travelling just as well as Energamine when he came down at the second last, very novice mistake, just couldn't get a leg out. 
Um, I know it's not ideal preparation, back and one in a novice chase off the back of a fall, but I think this horse is a real good engine and he's never really had the opportunity to show it either. Uh, definitely a place bet for me and I'll chance him in the win as well. So, um, yeah, but at the head of the market, Nerg, uh, Siskin taking up 62% of the 259,000 that has been bet in the anti-post market on the exchange and the Nergamain well in there at 11 to 4 as well. Andy, do you agree with the, the prices at the top end with those two? Um, no, I think um, Shushkin's painfully short. Look, he's run three very fast times. Out of what, what, that's one thing I will say straight off the bat. Um, he comes out really well on figures. Certainly, he's been up to high-class championship level. He's he's run to the kind of numbers that would win any uh, Arkle in any normal year, but I don't think this is any normal year. You know, you've got an Ergamin as well who's massively, massively improved. He's a solid jumper. Um, he's also recorded some very good times as well. I think he'll run to an even faster level at Cheltenham in a championship, a proper, you know, Cheltenham championship environment. And this is going to be run at a, a whirlwind pace. We know what the tactics are going to be like with Dan and Harry Skelton probably have to plan with all mankind. He only knows one way of running to try and put everything under pressure with his fast slick jumping from the front. So one mistake, I won't say one mistake and you're out here, but it's certainly going to be very difficult to recover in a in a year like this, if you make one or even two errors on the way around here, you're almost going to have to be foot perfect. Uh, so, like I say, taking even money, or well, four to five of these at the moment, Shiskin, in an above average renewal of the Arkle is is um, not really that appealing from my perspective. I can certainly see Barry's point of view with Captain Guinness. I've got a lot of time for him. He was uh, unlooking in last year's Supreme. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and Shiskin was as well. You go back and watch that run. It's unbelievable that Shiskin managed to win. He almost got knocked sideways mm. at the second last and still managed to beat that abracadabra. Um, but similar to the way Barry's looking at it from an HI perspective, I, I also see another one in this race had been a little bit of an underdog, and that's Franco de Port. Um, he won his grade one when he beat Darvastar at Leopardstown, and he went into battle against Nergamin last time out, very much as a second string, but... Again, if you go back and watch his run, he he caught the top of the third, the last one down the far side, the, the, the one downhill, skidded on landing. And from being a close-up third and travelling nicely and in a nice rhythm, he ended up being last. Um, it was, like I say, just a little bit of a novice year. He got, he got in just a little bit too tight. Momentum got him almost got him on the floor. But he recovered and he ran on strongly to finish second. So on the theory that I think if he would have not made that mistake, I think he would have been very, very close to where an Ergamine would um, finish. He probably would have been beaten two or three lengths. So wherever an Ergamine finishes it here, for me, Franco de Port has got to be some, somewhere in and around. And you can say you never know what, what goes on, how the dynamics of the race will pan out. This is going to be a totally different race to the race that was won at uh, Leopardstown. Any concerns that the Franco de Port came over last year for the Coral Cup and, and put in a kind of... Yeah, I do. That, that, that's the, the, it's lurking at the back of my mind. He did run badly in the Coral Cup when he was well fancy, but he was very, very keen that day over mm. a trip, which obviously was, you know, two, two mile five and that they tried something different. But he's very much a two miler. And given that he's going to be ridden, I think, with a view to come through at the end like he did two runs ago, he's the kind of horse you want to have on your side to be picking up the pieces. So he's 20 to one at the moment. I think I'll be looking to back him... At the 20 to 1, if they do go 20 to 1 the day, all in or maybe something in and around the 10 to 12 to 1 mark each way without the favourite, because then you've got sort of four places uh, on your side. So, yeah, that's that's my strategy anyway. I'm, I'm looking to get with Willie Mullins' second string each way, Franco de Port. Tony, how are you seeing it? Um, I would have Shishkin and Ergamine much closer in the market than they are. Uh, Barry said Shishkin's, you know, even money on the exchange, basically. And Erga means 11 to 4, and I think that price differential is is just too big for me. Mm. Um, the problem you've got if you're backing Captain Guinness each way or Franco de Port each way is, is, is the top three in the market just bring a, a very high level of, of form and and speed, um, you know, to the race, you know, ridiculously, uh, ridiculously high level, the, the three of those. Shishkin, I can take him and leave him at, at even money. Anergamine, I, I back him. I mean, the price is about Anergamine. Uh, each way, non one no bet for a while have just been just banned wrong. So I've sided with him at, <clears throat> at odds ranging between fives and tens. So hopefully, hopefully he gets there and doesn't. Uh, connections aren't tempted to switch him to the two mile four because uh, because of the grounds may be quicker than they were expecting. All mankind, <clears throat> you know, it's, we know exactly the setup was going to be there. Um, if he takes the second last with him as he did at Warwick last time, then I think he'll be on the deck. But 
um, yeah, he, he's clearly a very exciting race and, and, and makes the race very easy to read for, from a pace perspective. Um, yeah, um, I've, I won't have a I won't have a bet at the current prices. Uh, we'll, we'll just see. This is enough like the Supreme. I wouldn't be surprised if this is really cut up and mm. hopefully we'll we'll get eight runners. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if we got uh, if we were only betting one, two, uh, one, two places on the day, unfortunately. But no, I think I think the market is. I would quibble with it, but not to the degree where I'll be back in an Ergamine at 11 to 4 on the exchange win only. Well, you're in a decent position on an Ergamine at 10s and 5s. Some of us, Tony, are on an Ergamine at 20s in the, in the three mile race. So there we go. All right. That was, uh, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be hoping for a proper switch, which, which, wouldn't you? Back in, uh, back in November. So that was, uh, I mean, it's still, it's going to really hurt, I think, if I see an Ergamine uh, go and bolt up on Tuesday. Um, but uh, either way, should be you know an incredible match to have at the top end of a, of a decent article and some interesting types in behind, as shown by Andy and Barry, both fancying, fancying Captain Guinness and Franco de Port. Uh, on then to the Ultima, the third race of the day, and Happy Go Lucky heads the market at eleven to two, just ahead of Lieutenant Rocco at six to one. Uh, a few firms have them as joint favourites. Ascaria ten. I write and uh, one for the team all 10 to one remastered 14 to one Cocoa Beach far class 16 to one. I mean, again, you're probably wanting to take a uh, non-run no bet here for a fair few of these. If you do have a play, um, I spoke to Kim Bailey earlier in the week and he said that happy go lucky was his best chance as far as he was concerned. Obviously he's got Imperial Aura running as well. And first flow. Would you agree with that? Uh, Andy, do you think happy go lucky a rightful favorite? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the stats for this race in the last few years have really given you a bit of a, a good steer towards what you will need to be looking at here. First, first of all, you need to be going for a novice, lightly raced chaser. So he, he fits that bill. You need to have um, a run at Cheltenham as well in, in the calendar year or, or in that season, which he has done. Of course, he, he won there um, 95 days ago. And you also, preferably, have got Cheltenham Festival for him. And he's got that as well. He finished 4 2 in indefatigable. In the boys' race last year, um, and he was a bit unlucky as well. Uh, the horse that fell out the last of Gordon Elliott fell right in front of him. I think he would have probably finished second had he not stepped into that horse. So he's got a lot of it going for him. And of course, he's trained by Kim Bailey. He always seems to save one nowadays, and he's for the Festival Imperial Aura, of course, um, uh, for him last year in, in the hand, in the novices' handicap. And obviously, this has been the target. They won here with him early on this season. They put him away. He jumps well, and he's ridden by David Bass. I think he's probably pound for pound run as good as any jockey at the moment in the weighing room. He just sees strides where the jockeys don't when they play safe. He's really bold, and I think this horse really responds for a bold ride. The downside is he's five to one, eleven to two favourite. I'm not telling something that the market <laughs> hasn't already unearthed. And uh, lo and behold, his, his main danger also fits that criteria as well. Lieutenant Rocco clocked a very very fast time when he won at Foss last last time. I was really taken aback by that number. I must admit. Uh, very much championship level time figure. He ran much better than the two mile handicap chaser on the day, which is always a good sign. If you get three mile handicap chasers running faster than the two milers on the same car and they run quicker on the last circuit, you know that they've got that two mile speed all the way through to last at championship level. He was a bit disappointed when trained by Colin Tizard last year in the in the, um, in the three mile, the Albert Bartlett. But he's had Cheltenham Festive experience anyway, and he's had a run at Cheltenham as well this season when he finished third. Um, behind that good horse Chantry House um, early on in the year, so he's had a spin around the track, and he also um, has got a, you know a good uh, profile as well. So look, it's not the most original kind of um, um, sort of tipping sort of perspective for me, mm. picking the first two out in the market, but they fit absolutely every criteria you're looking for, and of the two, I think Happy Go Lucky is definitely the one. Market can't really split them in terms of the of, of the fixed odds operators, Barry. But how's the exchange looking? It's much the same. Six point six happy go lucky. Lieutenant Rocco six point eight. If anything, Lieutenant Rocco momentum just with him in the last forty eight hours or so. He's come into six point eight. I writes eleven thirteen point five. Iscaria ten eleven one for the team. That's on the exchange. Obviously on the sports book, it's five places to each way punters and uh, non runner money back. Obviously it's nine to two. Happy go lucky five Lieutenant Rocco and ten bar. It's not a race I have a strong opinion in. And if I have to have a bet in it, it'll be because Bally Adam and Captain Guinness didn't place in the first two races. So that'll be a bad sign if I'm having a bet in the ultimate. Oh, it'll be because your coffers are boosted, Barry, and you're ready to go in for another one. Um, Tony, save us here. We've had a no bet from Barry. We've had the top two in the market from Andy. Can you give us anything at a bigger price? Uh, no. I was um 
I was when I did when I when I did this earlier uh, a couple of days ago. I thought I might take a a wild swing at Puerto Rico, but he didn't uh, he didn't appear in the deck. So um, not for the first time this season. <sighs> I'm with Ant. Look, the market tells you, and the market's got it right. The, the front two of the market are are just very solid, very attractive, fulfill every criteria you're looking for, as Andy said. Um, if you're going to play them, maybe wait until the day and you might get, you know, you might get the safety net of extra places. Um, it seems the race, again, some of these horses could go to the National Hunt Chase. This yeah. is the, we'll come on to that in a moment, but the exchange, Barry might put some, uh, put some meat on the bones here, but the when I was looking at the exchange markets this morning, I was quite surprised to see Royal Pagai drifting in the National Hunt Chase market and coming in in the in the Gold Cup market. It's been it's been a fair shift. It's not been a sizable one. Um, you know, Royal Pagai was trading around about the twos mark, but he's now edging out to five to two, and the Gold Cup price has come in. So, if he doesn't go to the National Hunt Chase, some of these could well go to the Three Mile Six, um, the likes of Remastered, Iscaria Ten, etc. So it, it could well be that you know the, the front two of the market could even shorten up even further if if because the likes of Remastered and Iscaria Ten are uh, you know are, are very attractive uh, profiles as well. So uh, I haven't I'll, with races like this where I agree with the market, I, I wait until the final decks. Um, I'll go through if there's any pace angles. Obviously, we'll know on Sunday when we start looking at the cards in earnest. We'll. We'll know what the likely grounding as well, but at the moment, um, even though the front two of the market do seem pretty short enough for for a, such a competitive race, there's there's scope for them even shortening up further. But uh, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably hold fire and wait for uh, extra places come come Sunday once we know the final fields. But yeah, um, very boring. Uh, no. I've, got, I've got nothing left field uh, at the moment. That's for sure. Better boring than searching for something that isn't there. Um, oh God, yeah. If, you, if you're not willing, I always say, if you're not willing <clears> to part with your own money, you shouldn't be putting up bet, uh, tips and bets and selections. Yeah, absolutely. Just on the exchange, no bids for Far Class and Cocoa Beach. Just two pounds trying to back Ascaria Ten. Um, so maybe some indications there that this might not be the priority at the moment. Um, no guarantees though. Either way, onto a, a race where it's difficult not to have an opinion. I think. A, Absolutely brilliant looking champion hurdle coming up with Honeysuckle, the nine to four favourite, Epitant seven to two, Goshen four to one, Abracadabra's ten to one, Sharjah sixteen to one, Silver Street sixteen to one. I mean, this is you talk of the top three of the market, but when you've got quality operators in behind like Abracadabra's and Sharjah, it really does make for an exciting prospect on Tuesday afternoon. Barry, I'll come to you for the each for sorry for the uh, exchange angle first up. Yeah, Honeysuckle very strong since she was being since they confirmed this was the race for her after uh, the Irish champion hurl. She's three point five five now, five to two, very strong at that. Five point two Epitan, she's on the slide a bit. Five Goshen, he's the one that's been the big mover since uh, his win last time out. Abracadabra's eleven point five and it's nineteen bar. She's a perfect ten Honeysuckle. She's done it in grade one, six grade ones between two miles, two and a half miles. She seems to have it all. She really does. And until she's beaten, um, I, you know, I, I can't see past her. I can't see past the, the two mares, really. I don't think anything can give them seven pounds in the race. I can't have Goshen. Abracadabras, I think there's a hole in him. And it's 14 bar. It, it's hard to make a case for, for anything outside of that. Maybe at a price song for someone who should come on significantly for that run last day if they decide to go here. But, yeah, I think it's very difficult to get the mares beat here. And I'm siding with Honeysuckle. I think... Uh, I think JP's won four out of the last five champion hurdles, hasn't he? Out of the last seven himself and Rich Ritchie have won have won uh, won all seven out of the last seven between the mm. two of them. Um I suppose Honeysuckle for me, I think she's gonna join the great mares, the likes of Flaky Dove, who I led in in nineteen ninety-four with Mark Dwyer in the plate and <laughs> Annie Power and, and Epitant. I think she's up there with the best of them, and I think you're gonna see that on the on the opening day of the festival. I asked uh, Fergal O'Brien a couple of weeks ago if he could steal any horse and, and stick them into his yard. Who would he take? And he said, Honeysuckle. He's absolutely smitten with her and it's difficult not to be. And the, the slide on Epitant in the, in, on the exchange is fairly interesting given how yeah. well the market has uh, has predicted her two runs over the last couple of years. One very, very bad. One very, very good. Um, Tony, looking at this, where do you yeah. see the value at the moment? Um, again, I'm struggling. I was a non-believer, Honeysuckle, going into the Dublin Racing Festival. Came out as a, a firm believer, but again, you're 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 being asked to take five to two now, um, which 
I think is is a fair assessment. Epitons are one that if you're willing to forgive her uh, that Kempton defeat, you're 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 getting four times the price now. She I think she has been matched as low as five to four on the exchange after that reappearance win, but and now you're getting four to one plus. So if you are willing to you know to to forgive her there, and they said she had a back problem, etc. Uh, Nikki Henson originally threw out all kinds of uh, ideas about why she underperformed there, uh, but they they said it was a back problem. Um, for me, I, I, my, my most significant position on the race, immediately after Goshen won last time, I, I laid him at 6.2 uh, on the exchange. I thought that was an overreaction. Uh, it turns out I was wrong, and um, I've, been, I've been averaging it out now. I've, I've been laying Goshen at 5.2 and 5.1 in the last 24 hours. Uh, I, I'm against him. Um, I'm Again, Andy will be able to tell us a bit more about the time there, but... Uh, I've read mixed messages about you know the merit of that performance, but to me it just it, it just looked as, as very little evidence that he was back to you know that triumph hurdle uh, defeat mm. best. Um, yes, yeah, so I've, I've I've laid him win. I'll be la- I'll be laying in place uh, on the day. Um, maybe he won't get his his, his you know his favourite deep ground, but. And obviously, we should say, obviously, there's loads of pace in the race as well. I mean, if the likes of Not So Sleepy, Jason, The Relatant, etc., etc., turn up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at the exchange now, and the one that appeals to me most is probably Charger at 19. And if you get, if the if the race stacks up and you get an extra place on the day, maybe Charger 14th and 16th each way, maybe four places, because we, we know he's disappointed in that race uh, that he ran in last time twice in a row now, but we also know he's got the form in the book to um, you know to to put it to most of these. He, obviously, he was beaten by Epitent last time, but I think if they get a more strongly run race, that will play to his strengths this year. And unbelievably, he actually traded odds on. Uh, she actually uh, he actually traded odds on last year when when Epitent uh, streaked him because he he did tank through the race, but obviously Epitent found a lot after the last. So if you forgive again it's this is a forgiveness kind of race isn't it if you're willing to forgive you are getting some some much in you're getting some inflated prices most obviously most obviously epiton but charger uh charger as, as well probably for me a, a more my kind of price i apparently apparently they are the vibes are quite strong about james de Burley. now having looked at his french form I, i'm struggling to see it but you know he's a 20 to 1 chance um non of money back um like I said, it, I can only pass on that there's been some positive vibes, but uh, I, I can't see it myself. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, my, my, I'll win and lose on the race, depending on what Goshen does, and I'll chuck a few quid at Charger. Um, probably, hopefully with an extra place on the day, hopefully around 14, 16 to 1. Andy, let's talk about Goshen because, you know, it's, it's hard to think. I mean, there, there are plenty of fairy tale stories that could happen next week. We've got Paisley Park in the stairs looking to regain his crown. We've got Altior, of course. But I think Goshen would surely be one of the most popular winners after what happened uh, last year at the last. How does that run that we saw, the return to form of Goshen that's seen this absolute price collapse in the champion hurdle, how does it compare to what we saw last year? Yeah, he, he run a... He ran a big number at Wincanton. Um, not as good as the likes of Honeysuckle, Epiton and, and Charger at their very best. Um, but the fact that he was eased down, he could have gone a good deal quicker than that. So sort of allowed a, or allowed a little bit of wiggle room with that time figure. It certainly puts him in the mix. Um, I think he probably sits about where you, he rightly is, around about you know third favourite. I think that's about right. Um, but I do think he is slightly more ground dependent than, than one or two others, um, you could argue. Um, I think he's a fascinating runner. Like this is just a fascinating race in, in general terms. I think this is a, one of the best champions we've seen. Just a shame that we can't be there in the flesh to to witness it. Um, there is going to be a searching pace. I've, I've no doubts about that. Aspartano knows only one way of running. Petit Mouchoir often makes the running. Jason the Militant. I think he's at his best when he's handy or he forces the pace. I don't think he's a million, by the way, Jason the Militant. I think he's a hugely improved horse. Um, so it should be set up for something that does stay really well at the trip, i.e. a honeysuckle who we know gets two and a half miles well. She's got the tactical speed for two. And finally, she clocked a number worthy of her career record. Up until when she won last time, I'd never got her running. Funny enough, even though all those grade ones, her running a big, tight, a proper bona fide 
wow time figure. And she finally did it last night when she had the perfect setup. She came through and, and won going won very very easily from from Abacadabra. So for, like Tony, I, I am now a believer that she is a champion hurdle contender. Um, odds around about two to one, nine to four, probably a little bit short for my liking. I've already put up Abacadabra. I know uh, Barry's not totally convinced, and I can see why. If you if you are a non-believer uh, in this horse, why you would always look to think he's got a little bit of a glass chin. And I suppose if I'm if I'm being honest with myself, um, I do think he's I think he is probably a little bit fragile. But at the same time, I can't get away from that fact of how well he travelled in last year's Supreme on ground that he absolutely hated, and he clocked a similar set of sectionals and time figures than Epiton. If you go like split screen, circuit by circuit, all the way around, he would have nearly won the champion hurdle run, running like that. On, like I say, ground that he absolutely hated. He's been wrong this season. He's had all kinds of problems like a, a lot of Gordon Elites have. But he's finally, I think he's going to arrive here having his ground. He's going to get good to soft ground, which he bounces off. He's a spring horse. And I'm still hopeful with a bet that I put up anti-post on him that he might at least run into the first, first three or four for me. And I agree with Tony as well. Charges and unbelievably disrespectful price for a horse of his quality. He always does the same thing every year. People have said that he he can't run after Christmas and all his best form is, you know, in and around that Christmas period of time. Then he, then he runs badly, which he always does. He ba- he bounces off a very, very fast figure like he did when he beat Aspire Tower and they went a, a worldy gallop. And that he just can't run to that same level next time out because he's still got that running in his legs. But then when he comes to Cheltenham, like you saw in last year's champion hurdle, He's able to recover and run really well again. I think he'll do the same again. And this is the first season with Sharjah. He's going to come to Cheltenham and he's going to have genuinely good or good to soft ground. The three seasons he's been here previously, every single time it's been heavy. And he's he's not that kind of horse. He doesn't want to be lugging himself through you know, heavy ground. He's a genuinely fast horse. Nothing can live with his horse on my time figures when he's had good ground and he's quickened off a fast pace. So I'm definitely going to be back in and putting up charge on 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 um, Tuesday if we can get four places, uh, which I hopefully we, we should. You never know; some firms might be greedy and go five places. But I think, <laughs> Best, I think the we'll have five. Yeah. Will, <laughs> yeah, the way this this race will set up, it'll be perfect. So something like a charge or an abracadabra to jump to jump on horses, you know, falling in a hole. Obviously, Honeysuckle is going to be one of those as well, but she's two to one. So. Charge, what was it? Did um, Tony say was it 12 14 to one at the moment? 16, 16 to one, charge the best price. 16 oh, top price, it's not uh, 18 to one on the exchange at the moment. That, that's just a complete mythical price. That is Charger. No, it's, I, no, it's I've there. Got, I've got a body of work <laughs> and all the numbers to, to, to say that Charger is one of the quickest horses in this field under, under the right conditions. Mm. And finally, he's going to have his right conditions in this year's champion hurdle. Do you know what we're in danger of doing here? We're in danger of believing weather forecasts. <laughs> a dangerous yes. game. A dangerous well, game. Get get on to Nigel again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be, like I said, I'm prepared to sit on my hands and wait for the day. The Abracadabra bet's already in the can. I can't do anything about that. But I'm definitely going to play it again if I know, if I know those conditions of what we we think they might be come Tuesday. Right, Barry, get on the phone to the lads at Betfair HQ and demand that Andy Holding wants five places in the champion hurdle and 16 to one about Charger. And we'll go from there. (laughs) And money back if it loses. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, On to the mares then. We've got three more races to rattle through on the Tuesday and uh, another festival hot pot, Concertista, six to five, the incredibly impressive winner of the Mayor's Novices last year. Roxana, three to one, the former winner, winner of this race a few years ago. Dame de Compagnie, 13 to two. Black Tears, 10 to one. Indefatigable, 16 to one. 20 to one bar. Andy, stick with you here. Favourite one to take on? Or is there anything we can, you know, looking at that each way angle, what can we, what can we back at a bigger price? No, I, th- I think Concertista is the, the right favourite here, um, regardless of whether, you know, uh, Roxana runs out. I do respect Roxana. She's, you know, she's a win- winner here at Cheltenham, albeit fortuitously. She's done nothing wrong this season. She's a genuine grade one there, but Concertista just things in a different league. Um, she comes alive in the spring as well. And what she's done already this season has been a, a, a slight bonus in my, my respect. But, you know, Slow run, fast run. She's just got an, an amazing constitution. Great turn of foot. Um, loves Cheltenham. And her performance when she won here last year was just something to behold. I thought she was the, the best winner the whole week. Mm. I mean, she just completely nutted, laughed at the opposition. Um, 
so yeah, I can't see her get a beat. I, unfortunately, she's even money. I, I did put her up, but if you remember, George, uh, when we did that halfway, mid, midway look at yeah, look at the season and 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 trying to highlight horses, perhaps that might be a little bit of value for Cheltenham. She was around about five to one at the time. I said you, you won't you won't go too far wrong backing her each way if Honeysuckle go down the champion hurdle route. Um, but yeah, eleven to ten, I'd, I'd I'd probably you know stick her in a double with appreciate it if if you were if you hadn't already got involved. And I'd probably look to do black tears um, each way without the favourite on the day. I think if you can get something in and around the four five to one mark, I can't see her being out the frame. She's similar to, similar to Constantista comes alive at the festival. She stays really well. She clocked a big number the other day when she won in a small field um, to suggest that she's coming to the ball quite nicely. You can rely on her to run a race. So I'd probably, given that Roxana obviously be you know ridden to try and win it, and and you know I, I think you know the Something's got to give there with the front two in the market. I think Black Tears could just be ridden, ridden with a view to picking up some pieces and, and, and come through and chase down Constitusa. But I think the Irish have got a very strong hand here. Barry, Andy said there that even money was too short for him for Constitusa, but he should be looking at the exchange here, shouldn't he? Yeah, she's 2.22, so nearly 5-4. to four. I don't know whether that's enough of a nudge for Andy to change his mind. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so. 5-4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, 4.5 risk. Uh, Roxana, uh, which is seven to two, Dan de Compe, eight point six, and it's fifteen. Bar, I didn't have a strong opinion in the race. It never is a race for me to really get involved in. Um, I think Roxana's danced every dance this year. She's done nothing wrong for me. She's run against the best of them, and uh, I think she has a bit of a chance in it. But I won't be having a bet in this race. Tony, anything for you? Uh, I think this is very similar to the article that I would make the front two in the betting uh, a lot closer together than they are. I mean, a big fan of Constantista. Um, she was probably my best winner of the, the festival last year, albeit in a, a pretty sparse winning uh, uh, card there. Um, yeah, I I, just, I, I backed Roxana, uh, non-one and no bet, um, for this race uh, and for the stayers. I, I think she should probably be going for the stayers. I think she's really been suited by the step up to three miles, but obviously this is a, a much more winnable race, uh, even if Constantisa, you know, could set us could set a quite a high bar. They're a very similar horse, but one's nearly five to four, one's seven to two. So um, on, on price grounds alone, I'll, I'll be with Roxana. Um, uh, we're, I'm with Andy, Black Tears. Black Tears was actually available at 14s and 16s yesterday after the decks came out. Um, that soon disappeared. Um, I, I don't get that. I don't get the price differential there either between her and, and Dame de Company. Dame de Company is coming off the back of a, an aborted chase campaign. Uh, Black Tears has come here off a back, a back of a good win. And if you look at their, their form at the festival last year, Black Tears actually came out of the better horse at the weights. So um, if you are lying with Andy again, uh, if you are looking outside of the, of the top two, uh, then Black Tears could well be could well be the one. I don't know how many horses are going to rock up here once again. So hopefully we'll get, you know, um, uh, you know, an eight, nine, ten runner field, which allows the, those kind of each way plays on the day. But uh even though I'm a big fan, I think Roxana seven to two appeals more than Constitution than five to four at the exchange prices. Roxana three to one, uh, Black Tears ten to one as it stands at the moment. Uh, interesting. I spoke when I when I spoke to Fergal O'Brien a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about Dolcita, who ran, who finished second behind Constitista in that mare's novice, albeit you know a twelve length or whatever it was second. And he is pretty sweet on on her class and says that ever since she arrived at his yard um, from Willie Mullins's, it's been clear to see you know that festival form. So maybe at a big price there, forty to one, you know you're probably playing for a place really, aren't you? But not too bad if she can run into the top into the uh, into the first three um on then to the boodles the penultimate race of the day and who agree is the five to one favorite for paul nichols uh, saint sam 11 to 2 bustleton 8 to 1 coltor 9 to 1 uh river detail 11 to 1 12 to 1 bar and uh we spoke to paul nichols betfair ambassador paul nichols i caught up with him earlier today and we discussed who agrees chances ahead of the boodles juvenile hurdle and then who agree has been one of the gambles of the last couple of weeks uh, in the Cheltenham Festival so far for the <clears> Boodles in from about 16 to 1 to favouritism now. Only one run for you so far, but suggesting that the mark of, of 128 is a, is a workable one. I think it is, yeah. He ran very well at Chepstone in very, very deep ground. He hadn't been with us that long. Um, I don't usually run them that quick when they come from France, but that was a tidy run. Uh, he had a little break after that and did a really sparkling gallop at Wincanton last week. Um, and the drying ground will suit him, I'd say. I don't think he'd want it too soft. 
120 out, I think, on grade one form looks a nice mark. Um, yeah, he ran, he worked very nicely last week, and um, I just suggested to the owners that he might run well. Um, they've obviously had a little little bet on him, but I don't think there's been a gamble on him. Or not that I, I, if it is, I don't know who. He just, <laughs> I, and he was 16, 16 to 1. I think the owners have had a few quid on, and he gets shortened up. And then if you look at his profile and look at it, you actually think, well, yeah, he has got a big chance. So, um, uh, you know, hopefully he'll run very well. Yeah, definitely the, the kind of thing at this time of year as well, where people start seeing the prices going and, and jump on board rather than anything bigger yeah. than that. And we released that full interview with Betfair Ambassador Paul Nichols on our YouTube channel and podcast platforms. We also spoke about Politolog, Freud on Brave Man's Game, Next Destination, among others as well. So do hear his thoughts on what the festival will be like without fans as well. So subscribe to our YouTube channel where you'll find my chat with Paul there. And interesting to note, Andy, you know, we, we saw who agree last week available about 16 to 1. Now about five to one. Paul was pretty keen to say that he wasn't aware of any gamble, but did allude yeah. to, a, to a sparkling piece of work at Wincanton. So interesting to note there. Yeah, I mean Paul Nichols is a past master in this race, isn't he? It's a race I think he quite likes. He's won it with Calando and um, another French bred Diago de Charmel. He's it's that kind of horse that he tends to target at this race, and it, I think he did it with the Diago de, uh, Diago de Charmel. Did, I'm not sure what actually ran in this country. I think it just came from France and, and popped up and won. won I think it did, yeah. Quite, quite comfortably. So he's just given the one spin. Um, obviously, he was doing his best to win the grade one race. At the <coughs> but he just didn't handle the, the conditions that day. And obviously, the two horses that went away from him, Dagio and Nassalam, were, were two very set-ready horses, weren't they, on that kind of ground? Um, he looked. They looked after him and, and um, he came home in his own time to finish a well-beaten third. I've also heard that he's, he's strengthened up quite nicely in the interim period. He's, he's, had, he's had, you know, nearly the thick end of th three months off to recover from that. Um, he's got in here off a very, very handy mark. What looks it anyway? One two eight. Again, it looks the, you know, he look, looks the part, doesn't he? In, in many respects, apart from the price. Um, if you're just going down pure numbers like like I am, I mean, obviously Hugh Gray hasn't run a time figure yet. <laughs> you know, I don't know what his all toy times are like. <laughs> but but if if you're just basing on what horses have done at championship level already? There's, there's a couple of standout horses here that they, they, they've um, only got to run to the same level to be involved, and that's Saint Sam and Busselton. The race that Calixios won on the Dublin Racing Festival Day, that was the second best juvenile time figure I've got this season. Zanahir, as I said early on, doing a podcast with you, George. Zanahir was just a worldie like from day one when he won at the Ferry House. Nothing to get anywhere near that time figure. We're talking like our Connor standard. Uh, it was that he was that good. Um, but along came Calixios, and all of a sudden, E3 is capping the ring with a sensational time figure. Incidentally, he ran a, a good, a better number than Appreciated did that day. I've, I've done the split screen, circuit, die, circuit, dissection of those two, and Calixios would have beaten Appreciated by 10 lengths. So even getting beat three, four lengths, five, six lengths respectively, St. Sam and Busselton both ran to a similar level of the grade one older horses that day. Um, and I can't believe that those two have come out of that race, 139, 135. I think they're completely and utterly unscathed. I thought they would have been up the 145 route and completely roll out of this race. Obviously, Joseph O'Brien's won this race two years ago with Band of Outlaws. I can imagine he's absolutely cock-a-hoot with getting 135 um, but with Busselton. And I do like him. You know, he's run against the best. He's run against Calixios. He's run against Zana here. Yeah, he's the one for me at eight to one. I must admit, I think at pure value and what they've done on the figures and with the potential to improve even more, Joseph O'Brien knows what he's doing with those four-year-old juveniles when he brings them over here. So Busselton for me stand out at eight to one at the moment. Busselton at eight to one. Uh, Tony, you and Andy have agreed on most things so far on the Tuesday. Do you see this race in the same way? Uh, I think like this Brudels, you, you can make a case for actually lows. I mean, I can, yeah. I can the who agree. Gamble, like I said, I think he was 16 to 1 about a, a four weeks ago. I, I know the owners and they think the horse ran too soon at, at Chepstow um, after joining Paul, but he, he travelled really well throughout that race. I think he traded 2 to 1 in running as well before, before beating out 20 odd lengths. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can you could really see that. Apparently, he shot in that uh, that mass race course gallop that Paul did at Wincanton last week. and um, I think he was originally given a mark of 130 as well, but the handicapper dropped him to 128 as well. So they were absolutely delighted with that. Um, yeah, but the, the price has gone on that. I can see the I can see the case for the Irish juveniles. The Saint Sam angle, I, I know the owner there as well. 
they're not totally set on the boodles yet. Um, they're going to see. I think they're going to look at the triumph as well. But they're leaning towards the handicap. Uh, it must be said. Now the one that I quite liked. If you like who agree, have a look at Home Public, uh, who were actually beaten a, a neck by um, uh, who agree or tie back in October. Um, so there's only a neck between them. Who agree? Uh, Home Public's three pound better off. I think they were disappointed with his run when he got beaten first time up in the country. But um, I think that market raisin win last time, it impressed me as well. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Humper I, I backed him at 25s. I think he's still some 20s knocking around as well. Uh, Ollie Greenall, obviously relatively small stable, but he's, he's had three winners this month. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Andy get a steer from Andy. I'm led to believe that the market raising time from Home Palik wasn't wasn't half bad as well. So I don't know what uh, Andy's figures would say there. But uh, yeah, clear I can see the case for all the market leaders, but I I, I branched out a bit further and, and Home Public for, for Oliver Greenall is is the one I've uh, I've landed on at the moment. That'll test you you're on the spot speed figures, not a Andy. Yeah. Yeah, I've got him. I've, I've got Humple Bleak at uh, Market Raising did a 57. He ran to a 60s best time was at Catrick when he got beat. Uh, but you're dealing with horses that run up 70 and beyond with the likes of Riviere Detail, St. Sam or Bustleton. That, the, my, my cutoff point for the really good juveniles is a 70 time figure. If you run behind that, I mean, I've, got, I've been doing these now for about 15, 20 years. So I know the standard you need to have reached to be considered a champion juvenile level. Uh, so anything 16 below, you've got a huge amount to find. But a lot of these are going to improve, of course, for the environment yeah. of a championship race. It's not saying they can't, but I prefer to go with the ones that have done it, been there and got that tried and trusted number in the book. Uh, so, like I say, Busselton, St. Sam, Riviere Detail, uh, those big Irish horses involved in those good sort of graded races have got plenty in hand. They said that Autoy figure was 70 plus then. <laughs> <laughs> Might well have been. Yeah, he's an, to be fair, he's a nice horse. I've... I've I like him as well. Um, like his attitude. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's one to consider at a nice price. Barry, Paul might have said that there wasn't a gamble on who agree as far as he was aware. <laughs> what did the yeah, what did the market say on the exchanges? Yeah, well, he's been really well supported. Obviously, it's a very weak market. This out of all mm. the exchange markets, this is one of the weakest. Only twenty two thousand pounds matching it. There's one I will flag up in the last. 24 hours on the sports book that's come in for really good support is Dermot Wells Coulter um, won uh, on his third start over hurls in Nice uh, got a mark of 125 in Ireland he's only got a two additional pounds off the English handicapper he's on a mark of 127 he was 10 to 1 just this time yesterday he's into 6 to 1 now so Dermot Wells obviously hasn't got the best of records in Cheltenham but in terms of uh, positives in the market he's your standout at the moment Cotal and, and much bigger price at 10.5 for those who want to back uh, who want to back him on the exchange win only um, rather than taking that sixes. So an angle there um, to support the Weld horse if you wanted it. Um, Barry, we'll stick with you because as Tony mentioned in the last race of the day, the National Hunt Chase, there's been some interesting movement on the Betfair exchange. Uh, on the fixed odd stuff, on the, on the odds checker grids, Royal Pagal is the 13 to 8 favourite. Galvin, 7 to 2. Next destination and Ascaria, 10, both 9 to 1. Coco Beach and Lord Royal, uh, Lord Royal, ten to one, twelve to one bar. But Barry, it's all looking a bit different um, on the Betfair Exchange. Yeah, well, it all centres around one horse this race, and that's Royal Pagai. He's eleven to eight on the sportsbook, non-runner money back on the exchange. He's three point four five, so he's a five to two chance on the exchange. Haven't been matched at a low of 2.96 for around 117 quid. So, uh, yeah, there could be a bit of a doubt about him now after yesterday it looking more than likely that he'd be going here according to the market. Galvin, 4.4, 8.2, Ascari at 10, and Lord Royal is 10, and it's 13 bar. Like I said, it all depends on the one horse here, how you take this race. And if, if Royal Guy goes Gold Cup route, well, then Galvin's going to be a short price favourite. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We'll wait and see what happens there with Royal Pagai. Surely in the next few days, there'll be more indications on the exchange as to what will happen here. Uh, Tony, I mean, it's, it's difficult really to, you know, to, to try and look where the value is with that uncertainty. But who are you looking, I mean, who do you fancy, let's say, for this one? Well, you'd be gutted if you're a, a Galvin sport, wouldn't you? If you, you put him away since October and you could be running into an 166-rated 160, uh, opposition. So... Mm. Um, they'd be gutted if they've uh, wasted all season and, and bumping into one like that. It, it, this is like, it, like I said, at the moment, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I did text um, someone who's connected to the 
to the yard and owners uh, this morning, just notify them of the drift if there's anything to add. And all I got back was the your goal, uh, which is absolutely of no consequence whatsoever. So um, <laughs> it, it could well be that the, the drift is is due to the the, the weather forecast. And um, but you know we don't know. There was in the, in the last 24 hours because of the possible weakness in rural Pagaya. Again, we're not dealing with big figures here, so a very little money could distort the market. Um, there's been a, a bit of money for Ascaria 10. That could well be that, you know, uh, in the last few days, that's been that's been backed each way. Was favoured for the Ultima, but if they go here, he, he would ha he would have a decent chance. Uh, Galvin, you can see if it's going to, you know, if he gets his ground, you know, then, you know, he, he he's a solid opposition. There's been a bit of money around for, for Willie Mullins' horse as well. So, again, it's I think it's people trying to second guess what's going to happen with Walper Guy. Yeah. And when, when you're second guessing into a relatively illiquid market, um, it's it's probably never a good thing. So, uh, power to dry for the moment for me here. Power to dry here. Just to warn you all, I'm going to be asking you at the end of each day for your, your naps, your lays and your long shots for each day. So get prepping now, Tony and, and Barry, whilst Andy, I come to you for the National Hunt uh, Novices Chase. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult race for me to look at now because um, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd unearthed a really good one and I'm, I'm really annoyed that it's not running. Not running. Uh, Longhouse Poet, I backed it 33 to 1 about a month and a half ago and it, it was 7 or 8 to 1. And it, it didn't even de get declared. I mean, tell they're going to run it in the Irish Grand National, having said all along that this was going to be the target. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's so much up in the air. I'm, I'd be mildly interested in remastered if they they run here instead of the handicap because a lot of a ten of their last eleven winners have, have run in a graded race. Uh, so you need to you need to have a bit of class to win this. Mm. Um, and I thought his performance when winning the the um, Reynolds Stand the other day, beating De Machine was was a good one. Um, you know his last his last circuit work was as good as the um, the two mile five the Grade One chase uh, on the same card. So he was operating at a good level, um, and I think this race, given it's it's cutting up, I think it'll be a lot easier to win than the handicaps. And the handicaps are a lot more tougher with you know running against um, similar kind of novices. So he'd be interested, but I, I think Galvin's the one for me out of the front end of the market. He, we, we can we we all you know suffer from recency bias, don't we? Because he hasn't run for the thick end of uh, six, five, six months. We, we almost forgotten how good he was or good, how good he is, but yeah, you know, he's four, four for four this season or this, obviously this season starting back in, in autumn, he was really good when he won here and they stepped him up in trip uh, pre Christmas. They've put him away. He goes really well fresh. And I thought he was a bit unlucky beyond Imperial oil last year in the two mile four race. Um, the change of stable is not ideal, but you know, it's not ideal for a lot of the horses that have been moved around, shuffled around in the last uh, few days. Um, so I'd, I'd probably still stick with Galvin um, and have a mild look at remastered if he was to come here. But not a race. I've got a great viewing now. I've done my money already. <laughs> Galvin is best price with Betfair Sportsbook at seven to two, and that is non-runner money back as well. So um, you know, probably a better way to play this one than on the exchange. Uh, that brings us to an end of our Tuesday preview. And as I mentioned, just going to ask the guys now for their best bet and their nap uh, and sorry, their nap and their lay and their long shot. So Barry, I'll come to you first. What's the nap for Tuesday? Uh, my nap's going to have to be honeysuckle. I'm with her all the way. Um, my each way is going to be Captain Guinness in the Arkle. <laughs> and my lay has to be appreciated because I fancy Bally Adams. So at the price I'll be taking on appreciated. I hope he gets as close to even money as possible. Well, at least that means either you or Andy will, will be right come, uh, come you know, 2 o'clock on Tuesday. <laughs> That's the game. Tony? Um, start with a lay. Um, I would never recommend, although I've done it myself, I wouldn't recommend laying at 4-1 to one because obviously you're, you're playing at 1-4. to four, But I will be looking to lay Goshen in the, in the, in the place market. That will be my, uh, that will be my lay. Uh, what else are we doing? We're doing no. long shot. No, oh, nap. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go in again, soaring glory, eight to one, four places. Um, hope the race cuts up. Hope the owner sees sense. Um, I'll be disappointed if uh, he can't finish in the first four and, and nick a little bit of a profit. And, uh, and I wouldn't rule out a win whatsoever. Um, and we're looking for a long shot as well. Yeah. Home public in uh, the Boodles. I think if you can get 20 to one, um, Again, he's in the triumph as well, so make sure I'd rather take the 20s 
uh, if it's knocking around non-runner money back than than 25s outright or 25s on the exchange all in. Uh, so yeah, home public, but take that take out the insurance just in case they uh, decided to really swing the bat and go for the big one, which I don't think they will. But. Home public uh, with the insurance, as Tony says, for him for his long shot. And Andy, over to you. Um, well, like the prices would be shiskin. I'd, I'd be quite happy to lay that around the even money mark, given you know it's a strong-looking arcle. We've made cases out for an Ergamin, all mankind, obviously a big player, and, and uh, Captain Guinness and, and my uh, Franco de Port. Um, it wouldn't be wouldn't be hurtful if it won, uh, you know, laying it at that kind of mm. price. And like I say you've got four genuine horses running for you there. Um, my best bet is Concertista, even though she's probably. Terrible value now at five to four, eleven to ten, or whatever she is. Uh, but I just think she'll win. And my each way poke is Charger in in the champion hurdle. I think um, he's just blatantly the wrong price. Mm. Well, there we have it. That brings us to an end of our Tuesday preview, the Odds Checker uh, Cheltenham Festival 2021 preview, sponsored by Betfair. We're now going to be recording our Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday previews, which will go out both on YouTube on the Odds Checker channel and on all podcast platforms. So if you've enjoyed this, please do watch those. Hopefully we've given you a few angles to work with on Tuesday. Make sure you check out the Betfair Exchange and the Sportsbook. Do download the Odds Checker app as well for all the very best prices, best bookie offers. And of course, you'll get Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of Cheltenham or maybe even the evening before sometimes, Andy, when you're on it. Um, Please do gamble responsibly and enjoy the racing. (laughs) 